Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Year, session number 355. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week, where I get to either have amazing conversations with deans of admissions, with medical students, with myself, or weeks like this week where I get to bring in a very famous guest who has appeared here multiple times, but not for a while, Dr. Allison Gray. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great. It's been a while since you've been on. Yes, it has. Why is that? You. Me. It's always your fault. <laughs> Everyone on the Hangout knows that. Everyone on Instagram knows that. And shortly, I'm sure people on YouTube will know that. Uh, okay, so let's chat a minute for <laughs> for the student who hasn't heard of you before, hasn't heard you on this podcast before, and is like, who is this person coming on there telling Dr. Gray that something is his fault uh, this this person who I look up to, who I listen to his podcast, and and now is uh, assaulting this person who I look up to. There's no assaulting. <laughs> it, there's just just being honest and and reminding you that the Mrs. Doctor Gray will always be honest about okay. Doctor Ryan Gray. Okay. I am Doctor Gray's wife, as in the other Doctor Gray, Doctor Allison Gray. I'm a neurologist and I'm a brain injury specialist. And what else? I'm a mom and a wife. And yeah, I'm a human. A human, that's good. It's good to be a human. A mom to a five and a half year old and a one year old. So we've been busy the last year, which is why you haven't been on. That's correct. Well, and also because it's your fault because you only let me on certain times. Yes. Yes. Only as, when, as all of you know, some of you know. Only only when uh, I, I really need you. <laughs> or when people you start complaining enough. <laughs> yes, that is true. So uh, let's talk about. It's good to be back. Okay. Thanks for, for stepping over me. That's why I never have you on. Um, <sighs> let's talk about for a minute before we jump into today's episode about med school and how hard it is. 
Let's talk about something that a lot of students are asking you about because it was your project for a while, Med Diaries. Oh, dear. Yes. So I feel very sad that I have let some of you down. I hope I haven't left let you down. I have had a very busy, busy last year, and I've had some life changes with my son, our son being born, our daughter started kindergarten, and in my profession, in my well, not my profession, but in my career, I've had uh, some definite changes and made some changes recently. Yeah. So... What's the plan with med diaries, which includes pre-med diaries, med school diaries, or med student med, diaries? Yeah, med diaries, right? Um, med student. Resident. Resident diaries and physician diaries. What's the plan for those in the future? Well, those of you who love to hear from the lovely Dr. Gray, as Which in one? Ryan, you? well, you, okay. you will be pleased to know that I, Dr. Allison Gray, have invited him to be my co-host on those podcasts because... You need me. <laughs> well, I always need you. I, I actually think that I, you all hear my voice right now and Ryan hears my voice every day, all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's great to hear a voice and it's also great to hear two voices. It's great to hear from two people. It's great to get two perspectives, have two brains involved thinking about something. And when it comes to providing empathy and being a soundboard for all of you who are experiencing challenge, difficulty, success, wins, losses, whatever it may be. I think obviously Ryan brings enormous knowledge and he is also just a huge voice in the pre-med world. Empathy. And you forgot how I bring empathy to you. <clears throat> right. That's where I come in. So I'm <laughs> in our relationship. I tend to be, as some of you know, more of the softy and Ryan is more of the tell it like it is and blunt and direct. And I think there's a, there's a good... There's something good about each of those things, right? It's not always great to just have someone... I don't know what the word is. You don't want someone to just sit there and tell you that everything is okay when maybe you could make something different and life would be better. You also, in my opinion, don't want someone to just be really harsh and and not to say that these are, Ryan and I are not extremes. We are people. But I think that having both perspectives and both mentalities, both schools of thought is is helpful. So before we jump in again, can you explain for someone who doesn't know med diaries and pre-med diaries, can you explain the concept behind that? Absolutely. And that's another reason why I think it's great to have you involved directly because it was actually Ryan's brainchild. I have been, since I have been a med student and then a resident and as a physician, certainly every day and all day, I am always in the business of trying to provide empathy because that's what a physician is meant to do. It's part of how you provide good medical care, whether you're a surgeon, whether you're in the emergency room, whether you're a neurologist, no matter what you're doing. And that goes throughout all aspects of healthcare. If you are a if you're a paramedic, if you are a nurse, if you are a PT, an OT, an SLP, whatever you're doing, there is an, an incredible importance with empathy. Empathy is how, what is empathy? Just to stand back for a moment, empathy is being able to place yourself in someone else's shoes and basically have an, not an understanding of their experience, but be able to appreciate their experience. So it's not enough to just know a bunch of diagnoses. It's not enough to go to school and it's not enough to be able to operate. If you are going to have the amazing, awesome privilege to wear a white coat as a physician, then you should 
be schooled in empathy. And some people say that you have to be born with empathy. And to some degree, I would say that among humans, if you look across humans on this planet, some people are more inclined to be empathic and others are perhaps not. However, it is certainly something that you can learn. And I absolutely, no matter what stage of the pre-med journey you're at, you have to, have to, have to, have to learn empathy and genuine empathy. So pre-med diaries, med diaries, resident diaries, physician diaries, all of these were actually Ryan's brainchild because he recognized the need for having a place to go to share your thoughts when things are difficult, when you've encountered a situation that is hard, when, for example, let's take my sister. She is not in the medical field, but she's working on her PsyD. She's getting a degree in psychology. And she was just in an integrative care clinic the other day. And she saw someone pass out. They had a syncopal episode, meaning they fainted. And it was very, very scary for her. And she didn't really know what to do. And she had a lot of feelings about it. And for some of you, you might be thinking, gosh, it's just a fainting episode. But it looked like it could have been a cardiac arrest. And either way, it was her first experience with this. And many of you have talked about on when I was doing pre-med diaries, you, you called in and you talked about difficult experiences seeing a person die for the first time. So the whole purpose of this is that it's four stages in pre-med, med school, resident, and when you're an attending, when you're a physician. As a resident, of course, you're also a physician, but we wanted to differentiate between when you're in training and when you're not. And yet each of these stages, you are experiencing different things and having different challenges. And you need a place to be able to share that in an anonymous way so that you are not you're not, there's not pressure. There's not, there's nothing. It's just a space. It's a safe space to be able to share. And I I think that's why we got such a great response from people. People were really, I don't know what the word was. They wanted to know when pre-med diaries would be back. And I was trying desperately to get things back online in June and then July. And here we are in September. And so my apologies to all of you who have been waiting for it to come back. But I truly think that it will be better with Ryan because he's just a master in this world. And I don't mean, well, now he's going to have a bigger head than before. He's, you know, master of the universe. I mean, he's so knowledgeable in terms of this space. And I think having two people to call into, Ryan and me, will be great. And what we'll do, it's the same format as before. So if you've never, if you're not aware... We will give you the link, but what and the in the show notes will will link to these podcasts. But all that you would do is call a number, and there's a different number for each podcast. Uh, actually, there's not. I'm kidding. Haha. <laughs> it's one eight three three my diary, which is very simple. One eight three three my diary. So, and then all you need to do from there is you push one number, whether it's one, two, three, four, or five, to select the podcast that you. Now, Ryan, why are there five numbers with four podcasts? Because one is a feedback number. <gasps> right. Gosh, how long it's been so long. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what happens when you're changing jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I was also doing this thing called running a business last year, which is a lot of work. So you crushing it. Thank you. So you push a number one through five, depending on which podcast you're calling into or if you're providing feedback, and then you would leave a voicemail. The beauty of this is it's anonymous. You do not need to say your name. And in fact, we prefer that you don't. We ask you to leave a voicemail up to 30 minutes in length, and we will listen to that and then share our feedback with you. We'll play actually the whole voicemail unless you specifically 
let us know that you only want us to play part of it or something like that. You can also call back and leave a different message if you really hated what you said. And sometimes people feel that way. But I think it's a wonderful format. It's something that we want to grow. I think there's been a ton of pre-med interest up front and some med student interest. And certainly as this builds, we will have... I'm sure more interest from the resident and attending side, the physician side, because I am receiving, oh my gosh, just this last week, right? I had two people call me and talk about their frustration and every day, all day on social media and in physician circles, people, and I'm sure obviously in med student circles and where you are all at, where you are in the pre-med world, there are just stories to share. So that is why we are doing it and we're bringing it back and it's going to be better than ever back and better than ever. So that's meddiaries.com or search in your podcast app for pre-med diaries is the only one that's launched right now. Uh, but we will work on the other ones as well. We do have a couple recordings for med student diaries, so we can, we can do those as well. And, uh, you are getting a little head or I'm getting a little head, uh, but with findshadowing.com, you're one of the physicians on there. So if you're in the Colorado area, uh, once findshadowing.com opens up, you can um, you can search the area and see if Dr. Allison Gray is available to shadow. Yes, well, to shadow Dr. Allison Gray. I could shadow, but if I was shadowing someone else, then yeah. yeah. Is that what you say? You say to shadow if yeah. I'm available to shadow. Wouldn't I yeah. be available to train or something? Or is that the lingo no. now? No, to shadow you. Oh, I see. Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> So let's talk about... Med school. Now, uh, a question came up and it comes up all the time is, am I smart enough for med school? How hard is med school? Can I do med school? Will I be able to make it? Right? All of this self-doubt and and uh, imposter syndrome about being at every step of the journey and questioning whether or not you can handle it. But really at the heart of the question is how hard is medical school? Well, this will be the shortest podcast you've ever recorded. Hard. All right. There you have it. If you have any questions. No. <laughs> oh, you almost held it together. No, that would have been really funny. <laughs> Med school is hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When do you think it hits you that you were like, holy crap, this is a whole different ballgame? Very early on. Immediately after orientation. Yeah. Day one. Day one, where you get in, you get the syllabus, you get kind of the handouts, and you're like, I have to study all of biochemistry in one week. Like it took a whole semester in college. Exactly. I think so. The interesting thing in our school where we went, which was New York Medical College, we did a very quick review of microbiology, and we did a very quick review. What else? We reviewed something else that was really, really brief. Maybe it was biochem, and. That was pretty much it. And then you're flying. And so I remember we had our first exams within a week after starting. The other thing too... That meant I failed my first you exam. You did. I'll never forget. Ryan, I don't think he texted me back then because we're so old. They were, we were still using Instant Messenger, like AOL. <laughs> We had cell phones. Did we? we? Yeah, texting. I guess. Well, we had, we didn't have, we had like flip phones. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Dumb phones. Yeah, we had dumb phones. So Ryan sent me a message and said, where are you? I need a hug. Poor guy. So he had been, as many of you know, he had been off doing other things for three years, being a, a fitness manager and learning how to do business stuff. 
And so when he came back to school, things were very different, very fast for him. For me, I had been at McGill in Montreal and I was studying constantly. I kind of missed out on the typical college experience. And so I had been used to studying my tushy off all of the time, but it was still at another level. So the thing I think about is how I went to a very good high school. I went to a public high school. It was really good high school. And it prepared me really well for college. And then I went to... The same high school as... Conan O'Brien. Conan Um, O'Brien. And then I went to the, I went to McGill and McGill is European sort of in a sense, even though it's a Canadian school in that it's very, very intense and hardcore. Anyway, so we studied all of the time (laughs) and we, because of that, I had a very good training and setup for medical school. I was ready. I I knew what it was like to study every week and I knew what it was like to be studying all the time. I, I, I want to take a second here because this isn't I, really fair, I yeah. think in a roundabout way, you are saying my amazing education that I got at the University of Florida was inferior to the education you got at McGill. We talk about this all the time and you always say, oh, ended up at the same place. <laughs> yeah. My education was clearly superior to yours, but that's okay. That's a topic for another day. <laughs> Wow. No, folks, listen, I majored in physiology. Ryan majored in exercise physiology. I, I, so I, mine was doubly hard because it was physiology <laughs> and exercise. I had, ex- okay, let's look at it a different way. I had exposure to essentially only science. I took anatomy with the med students. That's just how things were up there. You, you want to get a degree in physiology, a bachelor's degree, then you get to take four electives during your entire college career. So maybe it was eight in my entire career. So literally my first semester, I took Greek mythology because it was fun. And I all right, to... we don't need to run. All right. Anyway, the, the point is, though, no, this is important. Greek mythology is also really interesting. The point is that English as a first language, like something like there's English as a second language, but English as a first language is something that everybody needs to be studying all of the time when you're in college or when when you are in not medical school because there's not time for it. The point is you need to be able to write. You need to be able to read. You need to be able to practice comprehension. Wait, I'm confused. Are you saying that ESL students are less than because no, they're not? No, not even close. Not, And I'm sorry <laughs> if I the way I, that came out, not at all. What I'm saying is that if you go to McGill or at least when I did, there weren't any distractions distribution requirements, which means that I didn't have to take an English class my entire college career. I didn't have to take an English class. I didn't have to take a social studies class, world history, nothing. All I had to do to graduate was do all science every day. Okay. So the point is, Ryan Gray, that... Doctor. (laughs) He's something, isn't he? The point is... He also is very persnickety about the fact that I can't eat popcorn right now, which, oh my God. Anyway, the point is that I had exclusively science and so... I didn't really get a break. And so I'm not saying that at all that his experience was inferior. Obviously, the University of Florida is a magnificent school providing excellent education. Yes, it is. However, it's also a school where you can watch the Gators and where you can, (laughs) you know, do other things besides science. And that's not something that I was afforded. So to get a reasonable GPA at McGill, uh, you really had to study all of the time science. So I am not necessarily the best person to actually ask the question question of how hard is med school because med school is hard and I don't care who you are. If you tell me that med school is easy, there's something wrong. 
Or you're brilliant. No, because if you're brilliant, you still have to learn things like empathy and you still have to learn how to juggle life and you still have to learn how to do all of the other things that go into becoming a physician and not just being book smart and doing well in exams. So med school is hard and we can break it down about why it's hard. But the point is, I and I encourage you all to look at this. You it's helpful to go to a rigorous school. If you're starting at community college, that's great. And if that's what you need to do to get into, to get to the next step and to get into medical school, and that's what you can afford, that's okay. The point is the more rigorous your college experience or your pre, your pre-med classes, the better prepared you're going to be for the rigor of medical school. So I'll challenge you a little bit on that. As you always will. Because I, I truly believe that no matter what rigor your pre-med classes are, what university you went to, what what country you went to for your undergrad, nothing prepares you for medical school. And I tried to tell that to so many students. And I'll give you the perfect example. We had a, a student who was working with me uh, over the last several months, helping write articles and stuff for the website. And she was starting medical school. And she's like, I, I want to keep working with you. And I, I laughed. I'm like, what do you mean you want to keep working when you start medical school? It's, it's impossible. She's like, no, I think I can, I can do like 10, 12 hours a, a week working with you. And I said, okay, like, let's, let's put a pin in that and you start medical school and then, and then we'll talk. And two weeks into medical school, sure enough, she's like, Ryan, I have to quit. This is this is ridiculous. This is so much more than I expected. I didn't know that that we could learn in this way or that I was learning the wrong way and that there's a wrong way to study and and I just I need to to do this because uh this is impossible. Well, good for her for recognizing that because yeah. sometimes it's actually amazing to me the more and more and more I see that there are I think because of how our world works now, there are medical students who are now teaching pre-meds how to get into medical school. And there are med students who are starting businesses in medical <laughs> school. Um, Hello, I just ran a business and it's bonkers. So I'm sorry, you cannot tell me that you can learn to be a good physician and take in that material and also have the time to do all these other things. But that's a side issue. But really, it gets to the crucial point, which is that it's a volume thing. Yeah. So however smart you are, however a good studier, your studying skills, however great they may be, the volume of what you are required to take in in medical school from essentially day one, once you leave that orientation tent, is enormous. And what Ryan and I have said over and over again in the past when I was allowed to be on the podcast was that, I'm just kidding, he he wants me to be on the podcast, but I'm often just too busy. The point is that it's drinking from a fire hose. That's what we always used to call it because it is. And that's not our saying. That's just a general saying. That's true. Shoot, we can't <laughs> copyright or trademark that. It yeah. is. But it's a, it's an enormous amount of information and it comes at you very, very fast. Yeah. So the question then, is it a hard or is it just a lot? Well, let's see what hard means. And also that's a pretty that's a pretty big question, right? How hard is medical school? Well, there's the material, right? Anatomy, physiology, pathology, all of these things, pharmacology. These are subjects which depending on the medical school, they're taught different ways and there are things that are important, I think, to look into in terms of how do you study and how do you learn in different schools. I mean, Ryan could probably talk a lot about the different types of environments that medical schools have. and But the point is that 
at the end of the day, there are different types of things that you learn in medical school. Part of that is the material itself. And some schools have you start seeing patients from day one. So if you're an introvert and someone who has not really done a lot in shadowing, which I would hope you really probably shouldn't be in medical school if you haven't shadowed at this point in time. At this point in time, you may have gotten away with it years ago, but essentially nowadays you have to have shadowing hours and experience, which is good because otherwise, how do you know if you want to be a doctor? The point is that... Findshadowing.com. Findshadowing.com. Come shadow with me in Colorado. It's very fun. So you can learn the material and you can learn empathy and you can learn how to take care of patients and how to do a pelvic exam and you can learn how to break bad news and you can learn how to suture. But as you can imagine, there are many, 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 many different things that go into this. And let's also stop and look at there's your life. Your life happens when you're in medical school. So some of you have families and some of you have children already and some of you have spouses and some of you have long-term relationships with people. So life happens, right? So many times in my life I've been dealing with a difficult thing or I'm having a bad day and I look up at the trees and I see the leaves and I look up at things above me and I think, gosh, you know, the world keeps moving. The world keeps spinning no matter what's going on in this small human compared to the rest of the galaxy. But that's the thing, right? Life life marches on. And so part of the big challenge in medical school that makes it hard is also learning to balance life. So you're, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Um, who used to work for you, she is no longer able to work for you because she is dealing with everything. It's not just the drinking from the fire hose thing. She's trying to, how do I, how do I now talk to my parents? Like, how do I have time to stay in touch with friends? I mean, these are all things that become very hard in medical school because it's just so much. And that's why a lot of relationships crumble in medical school. I don't think a single one survived, actually, if you think back. We we have our 10-year reunion in a little bit in November. And I was trying to think, I don't think a single relationship that came into medical school survived. Some of the people came in married and well, hopefully, t- hopefully they're still together. I'm talking about the marriages. I'm talking about like people well, who came... a relationship. Well, okay. I'm talking about people who like had a boyfriend or yes. girlfriend or... Yeah. And we we did a podcast on that. I had a, a great marriage and family counselor on or therapist on who was still in school and was married to an emergency medicine resident at the time. And so... Uh, that's one that I would recommend you go and find. I don't have that uh, episode number off the top of my head. Uh, I will do better next time. We've so, also talked about that too in the past. Yeah, yeah. we have. So I, I think at the end of the day, the the question is there, right? How hard is medical school? That's really not the question. Right? The question is, am I smart enough to get through it? That that's at the core of what people are asking. At the core would of you what agree? At, yeah, of what they're asking. I don't know if it's the right question to be asking though. Why not? Because it's not, you can't just be smart to get through med school. You have to have other traits. Like what? And we did, oh gosh, I think my first episode wasn't, wasn't my first Maybe. episode. Episode, episode seven. seven. <laughs> um, where I sound like a mouse and I'm really nervous. Um, times have changed. So the there are so many things that go into becoming not just a good physician, but succeeding, like being a successful medical student. And some of that has to do with perseverance. Right. So as a pre-meds out there, you have probably already at this point dealt with uh, failure, with rejection, with things not going as you planned. Hopefully. Hopefully you've dealt with that. Hopefully, because, because that sort of thing builds a lot of 
grit and grit is huge. You need grit. Your skin will get toughened in medical school. Yeah. And can I, I've, I, I've, can I, can I copyright that? Yeah. I've, I've talked <laughs> to many uh, admissions committee members and deans of admissions who talk about reading essays about uh, overcoming obstacles, right? It's a very common secondary essay question. And people will write about, oh, the, the, my biggest failure is not winning the state championship in, in hockey, right? And they just like, okay. And they, great, you have a 4.0 and you have a great MCAT score, but you haven't really lived life. And, and it's not like you want to go out and create these failures and these obstacles for yourself. But if, if you've been sheltered and protected your whole life, that's not good for your character. And it's potentially going to hurt you getting into medical school. Although I would tell you, I will come back. I will challenge you in that because I grew up in a very sheltered environment. I, I, do you see why it's rough being a co-host with Ryan or excuse me, a guest? You know, I think that I should get a lot of kudos for actually being willing to have him on my show. I just want to tell you all out there. Anyhow, uh, we'll see if he ever gets a guest spot on my new podcast, which is a totally different topic. Anyway, now I, oh, I, yes, 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 yes. So going back to what we were talking about. Do you want to plug that podcast real quick? Sure. I would love to. As a brain injury specialist, I am starting a podcast called Heal My Concussion. Perfect. All right. That's it. Okay, cool. Moving on. Moving on. Healmyconcussion.com. There you go. Okay. So the point is that I grew up in a sheltered environment. I grew up in a, not a small town, but a good sized town in a, uh, an area in Massachusetts. And I grew up in Brookline and I, I love it. It's my hometown. And it was a wonderful place to be a child and to grow up. And it was pretty sheltered. It was diverse and a wonderful place to learn about a lot of different things, but it was a sheltered environment in terms of things like safety. And so when I wanted to choose a college, my dad and mom really wanted me to go to Brandeis, which was right down the road. And my dad was like, we can have coffee together. It'll be great. And I was like, oh my God, I need to do something different because I've never, I had never challenged myself in terms of my own ability to take in something else. I wanted to be scared. I wanted to say, gosh, this feels not comfortable. And I want to go outside of the country and experience life in a different place. I knew I would become a stronger person and a better person and just, just, get more life experience if I left. So I went to school, as many of you know, in Montreal at McGill University. And it was great. And I don't regret it for a second. It was cold and it was had all sorts of other things. And it was really hard. College was hard, but it was great. And I, I had all sorts of life experiences up there too that really taught me a lot and gave me grit and had me learn a bit about grit. So the point is, I would say that just because you grew up in a small town or maybe not a small town, let's say you grew up in a sheltered environment and you're not used to a lot of adversity, you're not used to challenge, there are other ways to challenge yourself. You can go and work in an emergency room or hop on a truck with the paramedics and go and see what life is like when people are starting to get sick in front of you. And there are ways to expose yourself to things that are challenging and uncomfortable that will allow you to start to grow that grit. I like it. So at the end of the day, medical school is hard. Medical school is hard. You don't have to be a genius to get through. No. You have to persevere. You do. You have to persevere. You have to be disciplined. You have to be humble. You have to be a team player. You have to be, yes, we already said intelligent. You have to be empathic. Very important. And that's something that you can learn. If you're not skilled in empathy, come on and listen to Med Diaries. You can hear a whole <laughs> bunch of it. 
it's so, I would say, honestly, the, the, the cornerstone of being a good physician and a good medical student starts with empathy. So start with empathy, hashtag start with empathy, good attitude and enthusiasm. I mean, that goes without saying, and then having a sense of humor. Ryan always makes fun of me because he thinks my sense of humor stinks (laughs) and I'm really slow at picking up jokes. Well, guess what? When you live in an environment and a home where sarcasm isn't even part of the lingo, it's a little tough. And finally though, confidence, there's a very fine line between confidence and arrogance, which we talk about in episode seven going way back. And we'll link to that in the show notes. It's really important to understand that you can't just be book smart. And I mean, sure, maybe you can get through med school that way. But I mean, you've had lots of episodes about gunners and things like that. Yeah. Uh, gunners are people who just run to the front and ask a lot of questions and are not really in it for anybody but themselves. Try to, try to get ahead by throwing other people under the bus. Yeah. it's There's a lot to being a good medical student. And I think the question you should ask yourself is, what is my life experience to date? How how thick is my skin? Where is my level of grit? And how smart am I? Yes. I mean, that factors into the equation. But there's a lot. And so I think medical school is hard. But can you meet that challenge? Of course. And it's just a matter of looking at all of these things. Literally, go through episode seven and just see. I mean, think about each... I mean, it's not saying... it's not like we have the keys to the only keys to being successful in medical school, but we've been through it. And so we understand at least for two of us, what it takes to become an MD or a DO. Well, we're not DOs, but you got the picture. I like it. Any last words of wisdom or were those it? I think that was it. I'm All seeing right. that glossed look in Ryan's eyes, which means that much, many words have come out. Of- no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so before we sign off, I want to uh, play a conversation I had with a student about the University of Colorado Wilderness Medicine program. So listen to that. If you're looking for an amazing pre-med experience, look no further than the University of Colorado's pre-med wilderness first responder program. In that program, you will have amazing experiences, just like Michaela. When she first found the program, she just stumbled upon it and didn't even know what wilderness medicine was. I really had no idea. Um, It was more just, I'll just go and figure it out. I didn't really even know wilderness medicine was a thing when I signed up to do the course. And I knew that it would be a lot of like hands-on learning experience, but I also didn't realize how much I would learn about Um, actual like emergency medicine, physiology, anatomy, and those kinds of things as well. The connections that she made in that program will hopefully last a lifetime and how it helped her with her applications and her pre-med journey and hopefully in the future as a medical student are indescribable. There are a lot of things. Um, I think the first was just the connections I made with the other students and then the faculty that we were with there in Costa Rica. We had a lot of time to just talk one-on-one and get some really individual advice um, regarding pre-med and life from uh, some of the faculty. Um, And then that way too, when we were learning, we had so much individualized feedback about what we could improve upon and that sort of thing. Um, And then the other thing I liked the most about it was just the hands-on scenario-based learning where you just kind of get thrown into these situations and you just have to act based on your knowledge and what you have in your backpack. Um, So I really love that like creative on your feet thinking aspect of it. If you've checked out the wilderness medicine program and the price tag scares you a little bit, you can do what Michaela did and actually fundraise the cost of the program. The price tag is really worth what you get 
out of it um, between all the experiences, all the learning, um, especially with the course on the CU campus. You get to do cardiac dissections and you get to do a lot of guest lecture and you get to shadow in the ED. So there's a lot of things that go into that price, um, which can look like a big amount up front, but when you break it down, it really is worth it. I know for myself personally, I when I found the course, I waited a year and I fundraised um, because people are really willing to help you out with things that you know you're passionate about and that are going to help you in your future career goals. So I, you know, spent a year collecting money and donations and working extra hours. If you are interested in the University of Colorado's Wilderness Medicine program, text the word WildMed to 44222 and you'll get a link to the course as well as a coupon code for $100 off the course. Again, WildMed to 44222. All right. That is the end of our episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. Please go check out pre-med diaries, med student diaries, resident diaries, physician diaries that Allison and I will be rebooting here soon. Uh, Go check out Find Shadowing. It is still not open for students to sign up and actually shadow a physician. We're still onboarding physicians trying to reach out. If you know of any physicians, maybe your mom, your dad, your uncle, your aunt, uh, whoever it may be, Maybe they would like to to sign up for Fine Shadowing. The goal with Fine Shadowing is it is for it to be the place to go for shadowing. We want physicians to know that it is the most streamlined and efficient way to get students to shadow them. So we're we're actively working on getting that up and running. Uh, and then go check out Heal My Concussion, the new podcast that Allison is launching pretty soon. So thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a great week. This is MedEd Media.